It'll come to the back. Silvani will stand up. Hand pass to Oiz who trickles it through. He gets his second. If they weren't embarrassing before, they are now Fremantle. This is hapless. This is as bad as I've seen them live for a long time, in particular under Justin Longmuir's reign. Yes. A Owies goal and a Tim Gossage take on that Owies goal and Fremantle's performance yesterday at Optus Stadium. It was pretty bleak. What are your thoughts? You can have your say on the temper at Bedshed text line on 0487 736 736. But before we get to your text, let's talk to Michael Barlow. He's the Werribee coach. He's a former Fremantle and Gold Coast Suns player. Mick, what the hell happened? <laughs> Oh, tough, tough uh, weekend again for West Australian footy, wasn't it? Um, tough, good to be on, but yeah, I think Goss summed it up pretty well in terms of um, yeah, it was pretty lifeless and uh, in a game where you look at what's at stake going into the match, you know, both sides under the pump. I don't think it's completely curtains for for the loser going up, like going into the game. I thought, you know, the loser there would be an uphill battle and, and they become now on life support that um, the way they lost uh, jumped early. Um, yeah, just didn't, didn't come to play. And it's just too hard this, this competition to, to play from behind and such a significant scoreline early. They were never going to call that back. Did you see it coming at all? Oh, probably going into the game. I'd um, like Carlton have lifted uh, clearly Carlton have Carlton have had that period of, of um, of critique, particularly in the Eastern States. Obviously, living over here myself, there has been no team under more pressure than Carlton uh, this season in the middle parts of the year, and they've they've just got themselves back on track with that that result against um, Gold Coast, you know, a couple of weeks ago, heading into their bye, and and sometimes you just need that. You just need that circuit breaker to feel a bit better about yourself, have a, have a little bit of time off. Um, the pressure then the pressure valve is released um, externally, and they're a side that clearly has, has top-end talent. You could see Harry Mackay and Charlie Curnow played without any voices in their head yesterday. And um, I, I knew going into this game for Frio, um, you know, in terms of talent, you know, Carlton were the more talented side. And I think Frio tried to play largely a talent game and, and took it away from kind of the contest and clearance stuff that I think has held them in good stead when they've been playing well. So what is going wrong with Fremantle? What is the difference between Fremantle in 2023 and Fremantle in 2022 in your eyes? Yeah, I, think, I feel like we've had this discussion a couple of times, haven't we, about that, that expectation from like, the, the journey to success. It, it is, it's, it's non-linear. Like, so last year's semi-final and supporters and members, and, and they, have the, you know, they have the right to have expectation, um, but... Just the fact that it was a fifth and sixth finish last year, fifth or sixth finish last year, does it didn't guarantee that it was going to be a rise to top four because it's such a hard competition to, to maintain performance, but also um, uh, you know buffer what other sides are looking to do. So um, Freo have become probably uh, somewhat easily scoutable, I think, at times about how to, how to play against Freo. Last year wasn't the case because. You know, they they were just starting to work out their style and, and compile their style as they got better across the year last year. Um, there's been probably some teething issues, I think, in particularly with in particular with the depth players. So selection at the moment is, um, you know, there's it's just regularly the same same blokes going out and the same blokes coming into a place and haven't been able to find that those players between kind of 16 and 22 or 16 and 24 on your list that 
um, are bankable and they come in and really play a role and, and they're really trustworthy on a week-to-week basis. So um, too much is, is at the moment left to too few. Uh, I think the, the Blake Akers game yesterday probably left Frio thinking um, we could have used a game like that, the reliable wingman to, to, to find some ball and see them with ball movement. Um, yeah, it was it, there was alarm bells going off every, everywhere yesterday and I think yesterday's performance... Um, I think it speaks to to probably where where, where Fremantle are at, which is you know, it's probably a, a ninth to thirteenth to fourteenth finish. I was going to ask you about Blake Acres. It's an interesting list management conundrum, isn't it? You've got a bloke like Blake Acres who is a bit of a journeyman in footy, but comes good last year. He, he's almost in the All Australian squad. I think towards the end of the year, he's certainly being talked about as being um, a potential All Australian squad person as a wingman. He wants four hundred thousand dollars to stay this year. Mm. Going into next year, the club pays four hundred thousand dollars to Nathan Fife to keep him at the club mm. for a further two years. And Nathan Fife looks cooked, and Blake Acres looks like he'll be a very good player or a, a good sound player for the next two years. It's almost like as a list manager, you've got to set aside what a person has done and decide what they're going to do. And if you do that. Right now, Blake Akers looks a better bet than Nathan Fife. Mm, yeah, and I'd probably the Nathan Fife one. You know, I have have empathy for for the plight he finds himself in at the moment physically. So he just can't get out there. And I'd imagine. I know last week it was said that he he'd look to get back, and you know it's not curtains on season, but you know with with Freo's season on life support, if that does become critical, then I think that'll be five his season done. I see merit having. Fifey there for the list they've got. So they've they've clearly Freo have clearly gone to list management in the last couple of years, or last year and said, right, this is the group we're taking forward. Um, we've brought Luke Jackson in. Um, you know we're going to stick with Walters and Fife to kind of mentor the next wave through. They've got high faith in Sarong and Brayshaw who, who were who were um, you know, looking at the numbers minus twenty yesterday, contested possession, beating around clearance. So yesterday was a day where. They got shown up in that part of the game, but I think the Fife discussion um, is is one that is going to be important for the club in terms of mentorship of of a you know a relatively fresh, well, really fresh captain in Alex Pearce. I know they're really close, and the ability of of Nathan to support that leadership group going through, um, despite kind of taking a back seat on all of that stuff now. So I see merit in in keeping Fifey. The, the money situation, I'm, I'm probably not hugely privy to or, or fully across, but um, yeah, Blake Akers was the one I thought last year when he shifted away. Like he's exactly that player that he became a better player than 16 to 24. But at the start of the year last year, he was kind of that 16 to 24 player that they got good bang for buck out of. That he improved 10 to 20 percent, and we just haven't seen enough of the 10 to 20 percent. Improvement from the rest of the list, and um, you know Johnson, Erasmus, and Jai Miss has been one that's popped up. But but that second, third year player, Liam Henry's got a little bit better over the last few weeks. Um, that might be where they're at. They're, they're going to have to wait maybe another twelve to twenty-four months before these guys become bona fide AFL players. So do they need another big-bodied mid now, Mick? Well, they've got Will Brody there, don't they? I think he's been injured a little bit. And he's- Kind of come back in, and he was available to be selected over the weekend. Didn't um, so that, that that one is I'm not, I'm not fully across the availability of him, but 
He was. Uh, he's so he, he's an ankle. Yeah. So he's got an ankle, and it's probably yeah. going to keep him out for two or three weeks now. Okay. Um, so he's the one. I think they've got him there, and his form last year was really important um, to them. And they obviously had Dave Mundy and and Nat Fife kind of playing through there at times. So yeah, you you, you probably do look at what they've got at the moment. Um, Johnson and Erasmus they're looking to, to put in there, but there, like I said, I think we can't have too heightened expectation of them as um, inside mids in, in the short term. So I think Will Brody's there waiting, or, or when fit and available, he's the one that, if, if he was at another club, he's the one they went and got for that reason. So um, I think they've got them there, um, but yeah, they've just got to keep driving improvement through their development program and, and getting these guys up to speed um, quickly. So what do you do this week if you're Justin Longmuir, or the coach? Well, yeah, it's, you're going to ask for a response. It, might, it very much might be the old school um, Tuesday training. We start with a blast. And if you're not going to show up for the first quarter in um, on game day, then we'll we'll make sure we're in, in a training and we were doing some competitive stuff really early on. Um, I know Ross used to do it a lot after... Kind of not not poor performance, but maybe after a few weeks where monotony might set in, that you'd start training with what we used to refer to as a blast. And for 10 to 15 minutes, it was just the old school commando rolls and little 2v1 keepings off, your shepherd tackle um, uh, ball carrier drills, like your really old school drills, which just became um, ballistic and combative. And I have no idea or concept of what they're doing in training, but I think they came out yesterday looking just to to play a control game and, and just thought the game was going to come on their terms. But where it comes from um, is effort and, and, and extraordinary effort, which, which just wasn't there. I'm, you know, I haven't looked at the, the draw until this morning. But, um, I don't think you can get a tougher, tougher fixture, which oh, I think they've got to embrace as glass half full. But there won't be any expectation on them this, this year, uh, this week. Their career is... Their career, their, their season is on life support, and you get the best side in the competition at the MCG on a Saturday afternoon off a six-day break. Um, yeah, they've got to put the gloves on and, and come ready to go because this is one where they were, they were probably expected, maybe unrightfully yesterday, to, to win. This one they're not expected to win, um, but at the very least they've got to come in and, and um, front up from Q1. So the, you stand, you sounded more and more like Ross by the by the week there, mate. The coaching, the coaching's gotten to you. Um, has the game and the evolution of the game has it gone past what Fremantle did successfully last year? They are very much a control team still last year. It's very much fast mm. footy. The best teams are playing fast footy. But does yeah. does Justin Longmuir need to change how he coaches? It's a good, um, a very good question, Duffy. And you, you're never short of a good question. But um, I did, I actually didn't catch um, the start. I caught up on the game last night, along with the Ashes and a bit of Wimbledon. I actually started up quite late last night, but because I was doing um, for AFL Nation, I was doing the Essendon Adelaide game, and I was doing it with Brenton Sanderson. Um, and off air, we were discussing um, Freo and and what we've seen from them this year, and we were watching Adelaide versus Essendon, and at halftime, the score was. 80 to 55 or so. It was, it was an unbelievable match to watch in terms of speed on ball, um, off turnover, go fast whilst the opposition defences are a little bit scrambled. Um, and it, it was it was the best half of footy I've, I've watched live for, for a long time. We discussed Freo because we're looking up at 
uh, what how that game had started. And and every time Freo had the ball, it, it was very slow, and they were looking for that perfect option um, every time they, they they possessed the ball. So I think yeah, Justin Longmuir has been kind of open and and discussed the fact that he he has coached the, the forward handball and getting speed on the ball and meters game from. From handball, but I just do think we're we're a little bit inconsistent in in seeing the evidence of it. So, um, yeah, he, he'll have some anxieties if he if he is going to really release the shackles and get them to go fast off turnover and look to 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 take some more risks and and will to give give up a couple to get a couple. Um, yeah, that, that's probably been the 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 one I haven't seen from from Freo and the way they've been coached this year. Just that that consistency. You've seen it in bursts, but that kind of full open of the floodgates. Okay, we're going to go and take this on and, and trust our first decision. Let's talk about the opposite of that. I reckon Adam Simpson sandbagged after quarter time at the Gabba on the weekend, and I absolutely agree with him for doing it. It, it turned it into a nine goal to three last three quarters in that game, but it was uh, it was looking pretty bleak for them when Brisbane kicked the first seven. Was it the right move? I mean, you, there is two ways to do it if, you, if you're Adam Simpson, isn't there? You let the game play out on its merits and hope you see some green shoots or you try and uh, stop the unmitigated disaster like the one that unfolded at the SCG. What would you do? Yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's, um, I was coaching at the time and um, kind of had a look at the, at the score afterwards and caught up on, on some of the highlights a little bit later on. And all the highlights were, were in the first quarter, weren't they? So it was... Um, didn't have to watch too far to to get get a lay of the land and, and, and how the how the game looked. It's probably I just it is just speaking to the fact that the West Coast Eagles just don't have the, the capacity at the moment. Like the the Frio discussion around that first quarter was very much um, you know, mindset and attitude. Well, one side came to play, one side didn't. Um, you know, you put the two sides on paper, Carlton and Frio, and you expect a more even contest at quarter time. Whereas, you know, West Coast, you probably can't can't question the attitude and effort and commitment of these players. It's yeah, unfortunately, and this isn't a dig. It's just, there's a lot without the capacity to, to compete at the AFL level. Um, and we're seeing that regularly against a really good side, um, a really good side in, in Brisbane. Um, so I think Adam Simpson yeah, went to the game and thought, all right, let's, let's see if we can take them on and, and show some signs of, of, of um, positivity with, with ball in hand. But uh, yeah, the last three quarters, was a pretty dour watch, um, you know, contested nature of it and, and defensive elements uh, implemented by Adam Simpson. I think, yeah, it kept it within the, the 80, what it was, 81 points in the end and made it a dour watch, but I think protected West Coast um, from um, a repeat of what happened in Sydney a couple of weeks ago. And the players look tired, don't they? The, the players look look like they're, they're physically and mentally getting to the end of it. Um, you know, the, even the long flights, they come back from Brisbane and you see some vision of them rolling around the, Bris, uh, the, the Perth airport. And they look, um, yeah, look fatigued and they're looking for the finish line. And unfortunately, the finish line actually isn't that um, that that, uh, that close by. No, it's not. If you were West Coast, Mick, would you give any consideration to trading Tom Barris to Sydney for pick five? Oh, pick five. This is where I'm no good, right, Duff? The, the, I'm no good in a lot of spaces, actually. But list management and um, what all of that looks like. Well, what's Tom Barris got left? Um, so he's 27. He's 27. He's 27, played it. Yeah, he's older than that. But so 27 makes it um, makes it makes it intriguing. Oh, 
I'd imagine, from my point of view, yeah, you're looking at which West Coast players have the currency to draw in. And a 27-year-old key back who's, who's won the best and fairest and um, a premiership player is, is one that does. There's not, not many others on, on the list at the moment with current form. Name, yes, but current form, no, who have trade currency. So you've got to consider everything. Um, and, and that, I think you would absolutely consider and you would have the discussion I think with Tom and if he was open to it um, you know he's contracted and all of that so that discussion would have to have to um, be a two way discussion and, and both parties get to work on it and, and move forward The other question, list management again, so I'm going to turn you into list manager before uh, before the end of this interview, I'm, I'm worried about the Q1 and soon we're going to have T2 and T3 and coming into these conversations it's uh, a <laughs> So the other conversation is, do West Coast split the pick? I'm sure you've seen a little bit of Harley Reid and you know how good he is. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Take take the gun or split the pick and get two very good players? I think it's split the pick, yeah. I, I just um, I see the gun and, and who he is and, and how he is. But, um, yeah, for West Coast situation, I, I think if, if it wasn't a if, – if you were if you got pick one and you were a side that um, – had been competitive or like it had a nice percentage compared to, to what um, West Coast doing. It had been competitive for, for large chunks of the year. Like a Hawthorne. Say if Hawthorne ended up being the bottom of the ladder this year, um, but with the year they've had and, and without those outliers of North Melbourne and West Coast hanging around, you'd, you'd just take the gun because you've got enough um, evidence that, that the second, third, fourth year players are going well, whereas at West Coast, um, it's just not, not the case. So I think you've got to yeah, keep bringing in picks, and that's probably why the Tom, Tom Barris um, uh, hypothetical, which might not be a hypothetical. I'd, I'd imagine you might have your ear closer to the ground than I in that space. Bring in as many as you can um, and understand that two or three years it's going to be development and, and investing in, in the pathway of these players to become um, high-end talents for, for their next push. So I think split it. I spoke. I did crunch time um, over here in, in Melbourne yesterday for SEN and speaking to Josh Gabalich, who's kind of across all of that. He knows a lot about these pathway programs, a lot about the talent coming through, and he was kind of emphatic in his um, his thought that yeah, the, the, the pick's got to be split to, to get some more talent in the West Coast. Interesting thoughts from Mick Barlow, the coach of Werribee, former Fremantle player, of course. He's now coach, list manager, and I'm going to turn him into a recruiter before he's done as well. Mick, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Look forward to chatting you again in the very near future. Yeah, thanks, Dave. You just text me the, the, the words you don't want me to use or the phrases you don't want me to use. No, I love I'll it, mate. I, we, we, all, <laughs> we all miss Ross. You know, we miss the T2, the T1, the Q1, the Q2. The the D50, yeah, I coach effort, not skill. (laughs) At at the end of his tenure at Fremantle, we can see that he coached effort, not skill too, just quietly. All right, thanks, Mick, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Mick Barlow, what do you think you'd have your say on the temper at Bedshed text line on 0487 736 736? You can call us on the open line. That is 13 12 55. We'll be back with more of Mornings with Mark Duffield on SENWA after the break.